to another episode of Endopod. If you're new here, hi, my name is Hepsi Xavier and I'm a third year medical student. Today we're going to be discussing a very interesting subject, intermittent fasting, and how it fits in with people who have an underactive thyroid gland. I'm sure many of us have tried intermittent fasting at some stage of our lives, whether it was for trying to drop a few pounds quickly or trying to fit into a dress last minute. But do we really know how intermittent fasting works? Is it really that effective in the long term or is it just for short term results? And what about people living with endocrinological conditions such as hypothyroidism or diabetes? Would intermittent fasting work in these people? As you can see, we have a lot to discuss in this podcast, so let's dive straight in with a brief refresher on the thyroid gland. The thyroid gland is a small butterfly-shaped endocrine gland located in the neck at level C5 to T1. Its job is to make thyroid hormones T3 and T4, which are secreted into the blood and then carried to every tissue in the body. Thyroid hormone generally acts to increase metabolism and keeps the brain, heart, muscles and other organs working adequately. Hashimoto's disease is an autoimmune disorder in which your immune system creates antibodies that damage the thyroid gland, to be specific antithyroid peroxidase antibodies mainly. The inflammation from Hashimoto's disease eventually leads to an underactive thyroid gland or hypothyroidism. It is currently unknown what causes your immune system to attack your thyroid gland. However, some researchers believe that it is a viral trigger or some gene mutations or a combination of both that might be responsible for this response. Hashimoto's disease is the most common cause of hypothyroidism. It mainly affects middle-aged women but can also occur in men and women of any age as well as in children. You're at a higher risk for Hashimoto's disease if there is a family history of other autoimmune conditions such as rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes or lupus. Also people who have been exposed to excessive levels of radiation are more prone to developing Hashimoto's disease. Hashimoto's typically progresses slowly over years and causes chronic thyroid damage, leading to a drop in thyroid hormone levels. The signs and symptoms of Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism include lethargy, increased sensitivity to cold, constipation, brittle nails, dry skin, unplanned weight gain and depression or irritability. Hashimoto's disease is diagnosed based on the signs and symptoms and the results of blood tests measuring levels of thyroid hormone and thyroid stimulating hormone. If your thyroid gland is underactive, the level of thyroid hormone will be low, while the level of thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH will be elevated. Your pituitary gland tries to compensate for low thyroid hormone levels by producing TSH to stimulate the thyroid gland. Of course, in this case, the TSH is ineffective as the underlying problem is with the antibodies attacking the thyroid gland itself. The treatment for an underactive thyroid is usually replacement therapy with thyroid hormone. If you need medication, the chances are you'll need it for the rest of your life. The most common medication for this involves daily use of levothyroxine. The oral medication restores adequate hormone levels and reverses all the symptoms of hypothyroidism. So, I think that's enough about hypothyroidism. Now let's explore intermittent fasting. What is it? Intermittent fasting is not like a regular diet where you restrict what you eat. Instead, with intermittent fasting, you restrict when you eat. You constantly cycle between periods of eating and fasting. There are several different intermittent fasting methods, which we will come to later, which split the day into eating periods and fasting periods. You can alternate periods of eating and fasting to change the frequency and duration in a way that best suits you. 
Both reduced nightly eating and prolonged nightly fasting intervals are known to best improve health. Intermittent fasting has a major impact on our metabolism and if done correctly will eventually change our circadian rhythm so we can last for longer periods of time without food and only get hungry at certain times of the day. There are several intermittent fasting protocols and people usually choose one depending on what fits their lifestyle the best. One of the most commonly adopted protocols is 16 to 8. This is fasting for 16 hours and eating for 8 hours a day. The easiest way to achieve this is by removing either breakfast or dinner from daily intake. This would mean starting to eat around 10am and stopping to eat around 6pm. This type of fasting can help improve heart health and regulate weight, as well as improving sleep quality. Another commonly adopted protocol is alternate day fasting. This is when people eat as much as needed for one day and then they fast for the next day, only drinking calorie restricted fluids. This type of fasting has been shown to help achieve a healthy weight, regulate insulin and blood sugar, and reduce inflammation in the body, as long as it is done in moderation. 5 to 2 is another method of intermittent fasting. This is when people eat about a quarter of their total daily calories needed for two non-consecutive days in a week. This would work out to be about 625 calories for men and 500 calories for women twice a week while eating the normal 2000 to 2500 calories for the other five days of the week. Research has shown that this diet may help with regulating weight and suppressing some of the molecules responsible for triggering feelings of hunger. When comparing an intermittent fast with a regular diet, there seems to be no major difference in the actual weight loss achieved. Intermittent fasting does, however, appear to be easier to follow than a typical diet protocol because it doesn't demand a daily restriction of all your favourite foods. The main recognised benefits of the intermittent fast for health are that it can improve eating behaviour, help get rid of bad eating habits such as eating late, reduce inflammation and ageing of the body, improve mood, regulate weight and improve memory and brain activity. But not everything that glitters is gold. Just like anything else, of course, intermittent fasting comes with its health problems. It can cause insulin resistance, a reduced muscle size and mass, a low basal metabolic rate and even changes to menstrual patterns, causing longer and less regular cycles. Research has investigated intervals of intermittent fasting from 2 to 6 months and has shown that intermittent fasting with regular exercise over this time period does help reach weight loss goals and reduce inflammation. However, longer periods of fasting will lock our bodies in a starvation state, which will not help with weight loss in the long run. And of course, it goes without saying that intermittent fasting is not suitable for everyone, since we're all built differently, and it may not suit the health requirements of a lot of individuals. With any dieting technique, it's about finding what works best for you and doing it in a healthy way. Remember to listen to your body. And be kind to yourself. we've covered hypothyroidism and intermittent fasting. So what happens when the two come together? Fasting directly impacts metabolism and the way the body uses energy. As we learned earlier, the thyroid gland is responsible for producing the hormones that regulate our metabolic rate. It is therefore safe to say that fasting has an important impact on the thyroid. The T3 levels fall during an intermittent fast. This thyroid hormone is crucial for allowing the body to use energy. But during fasting, the body wants to conserve as much energy as possible because it's unclear when food will be eaten again to restore the energy back. 
The drop of T3 hormone levels is caused by a decline in the rate of conversion of T4 to T3, but this balances back once the normal feeding patterns continue. It has interestingly been proven that levothyroxine taken in the fasting state is more efficient and better absorbed than when taken on a full stomach during normal diet days. I've already briefly mentioned how intermittent fasting is known to reduce inflammation. It's been shown to do so for other autoimmune conditions such as multiple sclerosis. It usually helps with reducing relapses, suggesting it is more effective in the early stages of multiple sclerosis as opposed to later. Intermittent fasting is also helpful for rheumatoid arthritis as it is known to reduce both inflammation and pain in the joints. In type 1 diabetes, intermittent fasting helps with regulating blood sugar. There is not yet any peer-reviewed research on Hashimoto's and intermittent fasting. However, because of the proven benefits of intermittent fasting and other autoimmune conditions, it can be safely assumed that when done safely and in moderation, intermittent fasting can also be of benefit to patients with hypothyroidism. Ramadan fasting is pretty similar to an intermittent fast. During Ramadan, Muslims eat before sunrise and fast until sunset. During the fast, they abstain from all food and drink. A study was done in Pakistan in 2018 to demonstrate the effect of Ramadan on Muslim patients with hypothyroidism. In healthy Muslim males, Ramadan fasting had no effect on thyroid function or hormone levels other than minor fluctuations in TSH, T3 and T4. Healthy women experienced drops in T4 and T3 during the last few days of Ramadan. However, Ramadan fasters who are hypothyroid patients taking thyroid hormones regularly do not have to increase their dosages during Ramadan. This study showed that they saw an improved quality of life following the month of fasting. There are some things that should be considered as a hypothyroid patient before beginning an intermittent fast. The best approach when starting is to start slowly and gradually increase fasting intervals. Begin with short fasting protocols such as 12 to 12 hours or 14 to 8 hours. This is simply because if you go from being a frequent eater to not eating for 16 hours a day, the body will go into starvation and there are risks such as hypoglycemia. This will also fully change the pattern by which thyroid hormones are produced, so you might be at risk of gaining weight and seeing a deterioration in your general health. Be sure not to over-exercise, especially when you're getting used to intermittent fasting. Increasing exercise routines while starting intermittent fasting may quickly deplete your thyroid hormones, once again worsening your symptoms and general health. Even though you're cutting out meals and eating less, you still need to ensure that you're taking in the right vitamins and minerals. Iodine, omega-3, selenium and zinc are crucial for thyroid health. Be aware of food triggers. Try to avoid making full meals out of dairy or wheat-based products as they are known to trigger the immune system. If your immune system does get triggered during your intermittent fast, this may cause you to feel increasingly tired and unable to concentrate on daily tasks. Lastly, it is important to be aware of the signs of thyrotoxicity, which occurs due to thyroid hormone overtreatment. Features include weight loss, hand tremor, muscle weakness and palpitations. There is a free app called Boost Thyroid that has been developed to allow hypothyroid patients to track their diet and symptoms and observe how their health improves over time. So while the evidence for intermittent fasting with hypothyroidism is still inconclusive, the benefits seem to outweigh the harm. Other autoimmune conditions such as multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis and type 1 diabetes are all slightly improved by intermittent fasting due to reduced inflammation. 
Based on other studies, including the study about Ramadan fasting and hypothyroid Muslims, it seems like the same can be said of hypothyroidism. As long as intermittent fasting is done in a controlled and well-managed way, taking all precautions into consideration, it looks like it can be of benefit in improving the symptoms of the hypothyroidism. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and thank you for listening in. Keep a lookout for next week's episode on another interesting topic. Please do follow us on our Aberdeen University Endocrinology Society Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages. Please like and share this podcast with all your friends and colleagues and of course I always welcome any feedback. If you have any requests for future podcasts then let us know. As always we're very grateful for the support we're receiving. Before I go I want to say a big thank you to Deborah Adepoju, one of our event coordinators, who was involved in the making of this episode. Stay safe and happy. This is Hepsi Xavier signing off.